Let me introduce our guest to you. His name is Dale Sauls. He's my buddy. Um, you're going to enjoy this message today. Dale Sauls is the senior pastor, lead pastor at the San Lee Chapel in uh, Sanford, North Carolina, Lee County. It's a multi-site church. He has a church in the central part of uh, uh, Sanford and also on the west side of Sanford. So they're multi-site. They're branching out. Dale's been there since 2004. And during the time he's been there, that church has grown from 150 people to over 700 people. You're going to really enjoy uh, his story today. You're going to enjoy his message. So get ready for it. Another thing they've just recently accomplished, and that is they are debt free. They are debt free. So right now, let's give a great big bridge welcome to Pastor Dale Sauls. Amen. Amen. Come on, you can do better. Let's give God a hand clap of praise right now. Amen. Amen. I am glad you're here. How many of you are glad you're here? Who'd rather be here than in the hospital? Raise your hand good and high. Who'd rather be here than in jail? Hold your hands good and high. If you were in jail this weekend, Friday night, raise your hand good and high. We just want to know who you are right now. Look at the person beside of you and say, we're going to have fun today. Go ahead and do that right now. Well, anytime you invite a redneck to preach, it's going to be fun. Now, you look back at that person beside of you and say, hey, I heard you singing. You need to sign up for Bridge Kids. Go ahead and do that right now. Go ahead. Say, dear worship, that is not your gift, sweetheart. I mean, go ahead, right? Hey, I'm glad you're here. My name is Dale, and um, we're so excited. Me and Pastor Farrell, uh, for whatever reason, he said, let's swap pulpits one week. So he's at our church, and there's no telling what he's saying about me right now, real time. And uh, so I'm going to try to get him back already in, in advance. That's here. And I want you to sit back, relax, enjoy yourself. If you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and somebody invited you here to church this weekend, and you didn't know what you were getting into, and this is not the normal preacher, I want you to know up front, I am way better than their normal preacher. And I am better looking than their normal preacher, all right? So I uh, want you to know that up front, and I want you to sit back, relax, and, and enjoy yourself. One thing I know about the bridge is you don't have to believe like them to come to church here. This is not a members-only club. This is a place they built. They paid a lot of money to build this facility for people like you who could come and just explore the, the, what Jesus says about himself and in hopes that you'll make a commitment to Jesus Christ and give your life to him. So you sit back, relax, and enjoy yourself. I want to welcome those that are watching via online and in other venues. Can we all say hello to your church family online right now? Let's give God a hand clap of praise right now. Amen. I also want to welcome my family. I got a lot of family members over here, and I thank you guys for coming out. And they're sitting over here in case they fall asleep. They won't, you know, feel... Uh, feel embarrassed. So that's where they're at. They're over here on my left-hand side. Hey, I'm excited to kick off this series called Blessed. How many of you like to be blessed? Hold your hands up good and high. How many of you already been blessed? Hold your hands up good and high, right? You see, here's the thing about blessings. We can position ourselves for blessings or we can position ourselves not to be blessed. Either way, it is, a, it is decisions we make, but we all want to find ourselves in the blessing and the flow of blessing. Because here's the deal, ready? Blessed comes from God's favor, and God's favor is the difference maker in your life. Look at the person beside of you and say, you need God's favor. Go ahead and do that right now, right? 
you need God's favor. And, 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 and being blessed is when you're in the favor of God. And there are things you can do to position yourself for the favor of God. Not, 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 not about getting into salvation. There's nothing I could do to earn my way into the Saul's family. That's just, I'm, I got born into his family, just like you get born into the kingdom of God by accepting him as your Lord and Savior. And, and, and he regenerates you. He reverses you and adopts you in his family. It's not about being positioned for uh, salvation, but let me tell you what I learned about my dad, and if you got a dad like this, you say amen to it. There were things I could do that would position me for my dad's favor. And then there were other things I could do. Now see, I don't know how you believe, but my daddy believed in spanking. Anybody grew up with a daddy like that, right? He would tear your doghouse down and let all your little puppies out. <clears throat> I don't even know what that means, but he would tell you that. And I often tell people that I had a trouble growing up. I would get wax built up in my ears, and I couldn't hear what my daddy was asking me to do. So what he would do is he'd have to fire my tail up and melt that wax, and I could hear him all of a sudden. Anybody had a daddy like that? Hold your hands up good and high. All right? yeah. There's things you can do to position yourself for favor, and there's things you can do to position yourself for not having favor. And I thank God that you've got a pastor who is willing to teach on the favor of God. And I do love your pastor. I need you to know that up front. I like picking on him, and I'll pick on him some more. But I want you to know, Pastor Farrell, I've known Pastor Farrell uh, all my life. He's known me all my life, and uh, he's way older than I am, but I have known him all my life. And preached at Whitley Church when it was over on 70 Highway. He uh, gave me a chance when I first started preaching. I preached here before, and uh, he's just been very kind to me. And when our church started taking off, uh, I really am as dumb as, you, as I look. I'm going to tell you that up front. And I really am an old country redneck. And when our church began to take off, I said, I ain't going to have a clue what to do whenever our church started growing. I didn't grow up in churches that large, and so I didn't know what to do. And I started going to conferences, and all them guys were smart. And I said, who is dumb like me that has a large church? And the Holy Spirit led me to back to Pastor Farrell. And, uh, and I love him because if he had bird brains, he'd fly backwards. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? And we have reconnected in the last five years, and it has been phenomenal, and I have, I have loved the reconnection, and I'm, and I'm honoring him for teaching you the truth to get you in a position to be blessed and to live the blessed life, to position you for God's favor. And part of that is going to be this offering fit for a king, and I want you to go ahead now and begin to challenge yourself, and, and, and I know that nobody likes it when preachers and churches start talking about money. Everybody gets squirrely. Everybody gets nervous, but I want you to understand it's a positive thing, and your pastor loves you, and that's why he's given you this opportunity. Now, I know that, and as he kind of alluded to in the intro video, that's exactly where we were when our church began to grow and take off, and uh, we realized real quickly that we were going to outgrow the current structure and the current everything that we had. It was a struggle for us just to keep enough bulletins on Sunday morning. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? It was, and nobody wants to serve in the nursery. And then when you add about three and four services at one campus, it gets a little bit complex. And, and the Lord dropped in my heart that if we were going to go, if, we were gonna, if he was going to continue to bless us by continuing to let us grow and develop, then we had to give more. We had to have a bigger foundation to build on, and we can't go but so tall on the foundation we already built. In other words, if we're going to go to an HNL, y'all know what that is, right? 
holy another level right now. If we're going to go to a holy another level, then we're going to have to give more and get past the status quo. And so I challenged our church on the second Sunday of September last year uh, in 2015. I said, hey, I want you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Come on, give me some knuckles right there. That's what I'm talking about, brother. Good job. Thank you. You saw me looking for it a while ago, didn't you? <laughs> Look at the person beside of you and say, he's a good man. Go ahead and do that. Now, I just had you say that because I needed to drink a, a, glass, a swallow of water and I didn't want that awkward pause in the middle of it. So that's why preachers say, look at your neighbor and say whatever. It's because we got something else to do and we need to distract you for a minute so we can do it. But just inside the preacher world. Now, what was I talking about? Okay, yeah. In order for us to go to a holy another level, we had to give more and get past the status quo. So I challenged our congregation last year on the second Sunday of September, our anniversary. I said, listen, we're going to need to do more than what we're doing. And so if you're not tithing, I need you to start tithing because you have found your relationship with God and now we've got to create a space for more people to find their relationship with God. If you are tithing, I'm going to ask you to increase your tithe by 2%. My family and I is going to do more than that. So I'm not asking you to do something we're not going to do ourselves. And if you really believe in this dream, if you really believe in this vision, then let's do this. And they blew me away. Immediately, our church given increased by about 35% just by the challenge we were able to save up enough money for our little congregation in rural North Carolina country folks that no big money people, just blue collar workers is primarily what we got. We were able to go down to the bank and write a check for $228,000. My, my executive pastor's hand was doing like this right here. He, yeah, right, paid again. Yeah, give God a hand clap. Don't halfway do that. That's not a, yeah. That's not a. That's not a golf clap moment on that one. That was a really, that was Super Bowl clap moment right there. That was when the UNC, UNC gets stomped moment right there. Yeah, that's a exciting. No, <laughs> just made a half the crowd mad right there. Right there, didn't I? Yeah. He, he had to write two checks, $228,000, because he couldn't spell it the first time, honestly. True story, all right? He had to do that because we, we, we paid off. And then that was in the end of April, and since the second Sunday of May, we've saved somewhere around $75,000 already since then. Our church is just continuing to do. So we feel like we have now positioned, been put in a position to go to an HNL, and we've been able to give away in our community around, on top of all that, we've been able to give away between 60 and 70 thousand dollars to churches at the ministries outside of our church in our community now yeah yeah come on that's a that's a awesome time so here's what I've learned is I and, and on top of that everybody in our church got blessed we had those that were unemployed that are now employed I told him, I said, listen, if this becomes a hardship for you and your family, do me a favor. Listen, here's what we'll do. After at any point this becomes a hardship, if God does not bless you and your family's struggling financially, you let me know and we will refund back to you 100% of what you've given. That is on record. Now, it's got to be on record. You can't be coming in here talking about like, last Sunday I gave $10,000 cash, but I didn't write it on an envelope or nothing, you know. No, homie, don't play that. No, you know, it's got to be a check or online gift or an envelope recorded to your name. We will give back to you 100% of everything you gave if this becomes a hardship. And at this moment, no one has asked for anything because they've been blessed. The church has been blessed. The community has been blessed. The people have been blessed. And we have found out how to get into the flow of God's favor. And so I thank God for this series, and I thank God for what Pastor Farrell's going to do and what he's gonna, what he's gonna, what's going to happen. Because, see, this is the biblical model. The way God intended for the kingdom of God to be 
funded is not by pastry sales. I was surprised when I got to Bible college and I said, what chapter does it talk about how many plates to buy for a pastry sale? Did you know that's not in the Bible? Did you know used car washes is never mentioned in the scripture? Did you know, and this, is a, this shocks me, fall festival is nowhere in the Bible? But did you know that over and over and over and over it talks about tithes and offerings? The kingdom of God was to be funded this way. But see, the problem with it, and the reason some of you right now are putting the foot on the brake, and you're not wanting to go any further with this conversation, is because there is a thing going on inside of the world from the beginning, and it will continue even after Jesus takes the church home, and it's called the spirit of mammon. You've probably not used that in a sentence this week, and so I want to talk to you about it. Let me go ahead and say up front, though, if you're here and you don't normally come to church or you don't believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and the person who brought you, let me tell you what they're thinking right now. They're sitting there thinking, why did they have to come the one week we talk about money? Okay, And you're sitting there thinking, this is why I don't go to church. Kind of preachers always talking about money. Let me just tell you this up front, ready? You just happen to be fortunate enough to pick the one week whenever we're starting a series to talk about that. But I need to ask you a question because I love you, okay? And this is the question, ready? What is it about you that, make, that that makes you so mad? Now, I understand there's been a lot of abuse in church world. I, I get that. I get that. I understand that. But before you shut me down and you start playing tic-tac-toe or Pokemon Go or whatever it is you're going to do for the rest of this sermon, that's fine. You can go ahead and do that. Put your foot on the brake. But I just want you to go home, and I want you to think about it. What is it about this topic that bothers you so much? See, here's the thing. Ready? Here's why I want you to ask the question before you tune me out and start the Pokemon Go or whatever it is you're going to play. Ready? Here's the deal. Greed is almost impossible to see in the mirror. I've been in ministry for over 20 years, full-time, 25 years or so. I have had people confess the unimaginable things. I've had people confess to me that they're having an affair. I've had people confess to me they're having an affair with a family member. I've heard people confess gambling issues. I've had people confess alcoholism, crack cocaine. I've had people come up to me and say they're jealous. I've had people come up to me and say they are, you know, into witchcraft. I've had, I mean, you can name, you can, I mean, I'm telling prescription businessmen to have prescription drug pills. I, I have had people confess almost everything under the sun, but in 25 years, I've never had anybody come to me and say, pray for me, pastor. I'm greedy. No one has ever said that to me. Because you can't see greed in the mirror. You can see it in other people. My aunt, she's so greedy, and my brother's so greedy, and my cousin's so greedy, and the church is so greedy, and the politicians are so greedy. But nobody sees themselves as greedy. They see themselves as frugal. <laughs> they see themselves as whatever it is. And it's very difficult for you to see that. So what is it about you that whenever I talk about this, it makes you so angry? That's a great question. It's a great question. Now, we're going to talk about the spirit of mammon, and as I get into it, let me talk to you a little bit about the human nature and the human condition, because there's something about you I know, and something about me I know, whether you've ever known this and said it out loud, we have a disease called destination disease. 
you and the person beside of you both have the same disease. And here's what that disease means, is that we are always looking for something else to make us happy. And when we get to that place, then we're going to be happy. It starts very early. It starts whenever you get close to Christmas time, and kids start saying, when I get the Christmas, I'm going to get a new bicycle, I'm going to get a new uh, you know, PlayStation, or whatever it is, I'm going to get something. And whenever I get that, I'm going to then be happy. All my problems are going to go away. Hey, when you're a kid, my kids, you know when they start planning next year's birthday? Right after the birthday this year. When they finish the birthday party, they start planning next year's birthday party. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? You don't believe kids have it? You give a kid's uh, Amazon.com account and say, put in the shopping cart anything you'd like to have for Christmas. Tell me how that turns out for you, right? (laughs) You'd give them a catalog and say, circle everything you want for Christmas. Because I'm telling you, there's something in us. I remember as a kid wanting to get Frogger. Y'all remember Atari? Any Atari fans up in here? Yeah, a few, yeah. Wanting to get Frogger because I was convinced that once I get Frogger, all my life problems were going to be over. (laughs) Turns out it didn't work out that way. I got Frogger and it didn't go away. So then I thought whenever I become a teenager, all my problems are going to be over. And I know that's where some of you are right now. You're waiting to become a teenager, and I want to go ahead and tell you, your problems do go away when you become a teenager. (laughs) Yeah, as if, right? (laughs) You you know, if I could just become a teenager, all my problems are going to go away. If If my parents would just give me a phone, if I could just get a phone, I'm the only kid that don't have a phone. If I can just get a phone, if I can just get my driver's license, whenever I get my driver's license, I'm going to be finally happy and free. I believe I can fly. I can just get my driver's license. If I can just graduate high school, this take, all the people I go to school with, they're so immature. If I can just go to college and get out of this town, this town's so small for me, and I got to get out of Wayne County and Johnson County, I just so, they're so immature. I just, I'm so much above them. Go to college. I just need to get out of college and get married. If I can just get married, I'm going to be happy. If I can just find Mr. Right, Mrs. Right, I'm going to be happy. When you get married, we need kids. Somebody else has got to get in this house. I'm going to kill you. We need some kids. If I can just have a child, I'm going to be happy. If I can just get a child, I'm going to be happy. If I can just get a child, then you get a child. If I can just get these kids raised and out of this house, come on, going to be happy then. We can just retire, I'm going to be happy. If we can just travel, I'm going to be happy. If I can just move to the beach, I'm going to be happy. You see, here, here, you, know what? you know what, if you're not careful, you'll wait your whole life for something to make you happy and you'll be miserable your whole life. And the problem is, inside of that is this spirit of mammon that goes on that we believe that is there, and the marketers feed it. You've got people sitting around with PhDs in rooms learning how to tap into that thing in your brain and make you thoroughly dissatisfied with your life in order that you want a new life. They're called marketers, and some of them are really good at it. For instance, there's this creepy little clown. He's not little. There's a creepy clown that's always smiling and says, you need a happy meal. (laughs) Sure, it'll kill you, but there's a 30-cent toy inside. And every kid in the nation thinks, i got to get a Happy Meal to be happy. And they've made billions. The only one's really smiling is him, by the way, because that toy breaks after about 30 seconds. Can I get a witness, right? 
But see, this is the thing, is that I've got to wait on something else to be, make me happy. And, and, long, and, and I, that's what infomercials are about and the whole thing's about. But you have to be careful because if you're not careful, you will buy into that. And all of a sudden, you'll begin to get a lot of financial pressure, which is where some of you are right now in your life. You are right now, real time, you are making more money than you've ever made in your life. And you feel more financial pressure than you've ever felt in your life. And you're in so much consumer debt. And the arguments that you have in your household are over finances. Because you have a Pepsi taste with a Kool-Aid checkbook. You say, I thought that was champagne taste. Not champagne taste. No, this is a holiness church. We don't talk about that. Here you go, right? Because here's the way your life has gone. Your income was here, and your, your, your budget, your expenses were here. And then you got a promotion, you got a raise, you got whatever, and your money went up, and you said, let's buy a new car. And then you got another one, and then you went, let's buy a new house. And it was like every time your income went up, your expenses were here, and you said, oh, we better hurry up and catch it. We've got a gap between our income and our expenses. And you kept going up, right? And now your lifestyle has reached a place and your cell phone package has reached a place and your car payment has reached a place and your life has reached a place where there is pressure, more pressure than you've ever had because there's no gap between what you make and what you spend. Do you know what you call the gap between what you make and what you spend when, this, when it's lower than what you spend? You call that gap peace, margin, laying down at night unstressed. Do you know what you call it when it's the other way? Stressed out, anxiety wigged out. And if you don't get a handle on that same thing that was going on with you as a child that said, when Christmas comes, I'm going to be happy. When I get my driver's license, I'm going to be happy. If you don't get a handle on that thing inside of you, it will ruin you financially and it could ruin your marriage, and it could ruin your relationship with your brother and sisters when there's an inheritance. Come on, somebody, amen me if I'm preaching all right right now. It can create a lot of misery in your life. So let's get going. I'm going to try to cover some ground. I'm going to teach you about the spirit of mammon and how to break it. And I like to put my sermon into a sentence. And so here's my sentence ready. If you're taking notes, you can, you can follow this along. It says, and you can post this. We call this a social media moment. So take a picture of it if you want to. And uh, post it and tweet it and Instagram it and Snapchat it and whatever else you want to do with it. Here we go. Ready? Don't be deceived into thinking that money will give you what only God can give you. Now, don't be deceived into thinking that money can give you what only God will give, can give you. And I'm going to talk about the spirit of mammon. The word mammon is used four times that we know of in the, in the Bible. And um, not all translations will translate it mammon. Some will translate it money. But it's really the word is a deeper word than just money. It, it's, it's, money is certainly a good translation. I don't think it's as great a translation. So I went ahead and used the King James Version where it talks about this weird word mammon, a word that you rarely ever use because I want to describe something inside of you that you may not know about the spirit of mammon. Now it's used by Jesus and it's really used, I said it's used four times, it is used four times, but three times are unique. One time is a repeat 
repeat of the other time that he used it. Because he preached this sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. It's a very famous sermon of Jesus. You can find it in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And, and he uses it one time in that, in that sermon. But Luke records that same sermon. And he actually says Jesus said it three times. So we're going to look at the passage in Luke so that we can get three of them. And I, I'll tell you when it's a repeat of the one in Matthew. So here we go. Luke, if you've got a Bible, go to Luke 16 or version. if you're going to do that or whatever. And, um, and, and if not, just jot it down and you can go home and read it later on. Luke 16, 9 through 13. And I'm going to come out and make three observations that Jesus made from this passage. And, and then I'm going to release you. Ready? Here we go. Luke 16, 9 through 13. And I say to you, make friends for yourself by unrighteous, what's that word? Mammon. That was, say it a little louder. Ready? I'm going to square this up just a little bit. Ready? Unrighteous. That when you fail, what does it say? They. Now, who's they? They is not mammon. They are the friends that you're making, make friends with this unrighteous mammon. We're going to come back and talk about it. So they may receive you into an everlasting home. Let's keep reading. Look at the next passage. He says, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much, and he who is unrighteous in what is least is unrighteous also in much. Look at what he says. Let's keep going. Uh, verse he says, therefore, because that's true, and anytime you see therefore, you've got to see what it's there for. It means it has a specialized context. Because of this whole thing about the, about the uh, unrighteous mammon that he just talked about, therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you, to your trust, the true riches? We'll come back and talk about it. And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Now this verse, verse 13, is the verse that is repeated or is also quoted in Matthew. So here it is. Ready? This is the verse. Let's read it out loud. Run, two, three. No service. Pause. No servant. That means no body. No one. Look at the person beside of you and say, that means you. Because you're a nobody. Just try to come to church to get encouraged. Trying to encourage right here, just trying to encourage with the word of the Lord. No servant, read it with me, one, two, three. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate, you ain't reading with me, come on, y'all can read. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. Pause to catch up for the slow readers. Everybody on the last sentence. Even the guys, I know some of you men don't think it's cool to read in church, but women think you're hot when you read in church, so let's do it. Ready? One, two, three. You cannot serve God and mammon. We're going to talk about that, so let's go. Very direct phase, phrase. You cannot, say cannot. You can't, very, Jesus is being, he's like, I do not want you confused about this at all. You cannot serve both God and man have clear contrast. So let's get going. Ready? Jesus' financial advice to us. Here we go. Number one, guard against the spirit of mammon. Now, you say, what does that mean? Let's talk about what this means, what mammon means. It has, it, again, some versions, when you go home and read it, you may read versions that will translate mammon as money, and that is a good definition. I don't think it's the greater definition. I think if you really research the word, it's a much deeper meaning. Mammon uh, is an Aramaic word that literally means riches. And so this is an Aramaic term, it's not a Greek or Hebrew, it's an Aramaic term that means riches, and it comes from the Syrian god, the god of riches. Now, the Syrian god, the god of riches, came out of a place called Babylon. Babylon is a modern-day Iraq, and um, out of that place is where the Syrian god 
came from the God of riches. Now, out of Babylon, you've got to understand the culture of Babylon to really understand the gods that would come out of there. Babylon means God, the gate of gods, and so this was the place where they had all these gods, and really it was a play on words. Babylon comes from the word, it's very similar in the Greek to the word Babel, which is where we get our word. Now, you probably know what Babel means. Babel means confusion. It means you ever had anybody who babbles a lot? They just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, and they, you don't even have a clue what they're talking about, but they're continuing to talk. You ever know anybody like that? Of course you do. Pharaoh's your pastor. Of course you know what that means. But anyway, I hope he sees that. Is that going to be recorded? Anyway, he, he just says somebody who goes on, you don't even know what they're talking about. They're just babbling. Then when you put on, babble on, on means to be sown into, to be planted. Now that is the story of Babylon. It is to be sown into confusion. Here's why. It's an Old Testament story. Some of you may have heard it in Sunday school. The people tried to build a tower to God, and they called the tower the Tower of Babel. And they were trying to get to God. And the Tower of Babel said this, we don't need God to get to heaven. We can get to heaven without God. God can be replaced. That's the reason the name means Gate of God. Now, we can, we can get to heaven without God. And so we don't need God. And God said, wait a minute, I'll show you you need me. And so he confused their language, and they couldn't even get the tower built because he, he, he allowed confusion to come over them. And out of that came a culture of confusion. And there was what and it's called Babylon, sown in confusion. And, to be, and that's where it comes from. Now, out of that culture come the God of Mammon. Now, the God of Mammon is the same dynamic as the Tower of Babel. Pay attention to me. Ready? I gave you a little history lesson, but here's what I want you to get. The God of Mammon basically says, we don't need God if we have money. The God of Mammon said, the spirit of Mammon says, money can give us the things that God promises us. And so what happens is the spirit of mammon that permeates our society, we begin to trust in it to give us what only God can give us. And that's the reason Jesus says very directly, you cannot serve both God and mammon because mammon is looking for servants. He's look, mammon is looking for people who will bow to the almighty dollar. Mammon is looking for people who will not be involved in church in order to make money. Mammon is looking for people who will serve it instead of serving their family. Mammon is looking for people who will make money their number one God. Come on, somebody. Hey, mammy, if I'm preaching right now. Who will make money their chief objective in life. He, mammon, the spirit of mammon is looking for servants. He says you cannot serve both God and, mon, and, and mammon. You will be loyal to one and despise the other. That is what happens when a person has bowed to the spirit of mammon. What happens with a person, here's one way you'll know. If you have bowed to the spirit of mammon, when something goes wrong in your household financially. When you lose a job or something, a bill can't get paid. And then you get mad at God for it. You will love the one and despise the other. Now, Mammon says we can take God's place. Mammon actually promises to give you what only God can give you. Mammon says, listen, I can give you identity. God can't give you identity. Let me tell you how to have identity. This is what Mammon says. Mammon says you need to buy a shirt that's got a certain logo on it, and if you've got this logo on it, then all of a sudden you are going to have value and identity. I don't even know if this is 
I always worry when I preach like that if I got a name brand shirt. See, I don't even know what name brand. All my shirts are Manhattans. If a Manhattan had gave them to me, I wouldn't have had them, you know, right? So, I don't even know what I'm wearing half the time, right? Here's the deal, right? If I can get somebody's name on my shirt, if I can get somebody's logo on my shoes, if I can get something, then I'm going to have identity. And my identity is going to be, that's what Mammon says. Mammon says, listen, if you, you're insecure, you don't, you're, you're worried when you lay down at night. So you know what you need to do? You need to stockpile a bunch of money in the bank because Mammon says, I will give you security. But you know it's not true, but this is the way that he thinks. Mammon says, you don't have significance. Nobody's paying attention to you. But if you had money, then you would be a known in this town. You would be a player in this town. If you can give the perception of what you drive and where you live and what you do, now you've got significance in this town. Mammon says, I'll give you identity. I'll give you security. I'll give you significance. I'll give you happiness. If you get this boat, if you get this new iPod or this new iWatch or whatever, I'll give you you joy. Mammon says, I'll give you these things. I promise if you have this, I'll, give, I, I'll make your life worth something. But you already know it don't work. You already got name brand on right now and you're still miserable. You already got all the name brand clothes and you still have a suffering self-esteem. You already got some money stocked up, more money than you ever had stocked up, or more credit lines than you've ever had, and you know one sickness can wipe it away. You still don't feel secure. You still don't feel significant. You've got all the thing, and you're constantly walking around with image management, trying to manage what people think about. You don't feel like your life has meaning, and you've got more than you ever had. But see, Mammon says, listen, I will give you the things that God's going to give you. And it's a direct contrast. He says, if you'll bow to me, I'll give you this. And Jesus says, no, he won't. Mammon is a liar. Jesus says, I'm the only one who can give you identity, that you were fearfully and wonderfully made in your mother's womb, that you're not an accident regardless of what your parents told you. There is no such thing as an illegitimate child. There is such a thing as an illegitimate parent, but that's another sermon for another day. He said, you're going to get your identity in the fact you're made in the likeness and image of God. You'll get your happiness from me. You'll get your security from me. And if you keep bowing to the spirit of mammon, it's just going to lead you on a life of depression. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I don't know if you are buying into this or not, but mammon is a spirit, and it is real, and it is, it is the spirit of the Antichrist. If you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you know, and you don't know the Bible, and you haven't studied the Bible, then you may not know anything about this. But here's what the Bible says, ready? The Bible says that at the end, the Antichrist will control the world, not from the threat of a nuclear war. Not from the threat of some abuse. He will control the world by the threat that you can't buy and sell without his mark. Which typically we think of as the mark of the beast, 666. He controls the world by this spirit of mammon. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. And we see it at work in our world today to make it, make it already easy for us to understand that that could happen. Because right now you're finding that, the, that that spirit that says if you have the right credit card, if you live in the right neighborhood, if you drive the right car, if you wear the right clothes, that is the spirit of mammon. And that's what marketers have learned to plot, buy into. And that's what we're buying into just like fish taking bait with a hook in our mouth. How many of you are tracking with me? Hold your hands up good and high. If you're, all, if you're understanding my sermon so far. And that thing is what's driving you into financial ruin and taking your peace away. 
We've all been influenced by it at some point that says if I either need God to come through or I need somebody to give me some money. And, and I'm telling you, this is, this is, this is, this is the way. And see, you say, well, Dale, I just need a lot of money so I can help people. Let me just go on record. I've got to move on, but let me make sure I'm going on record to say this. Money don't help anyone. God helps people. Not one time in the Bible do you see a leper or a lame man or somebody come up to Jesus and say, Father, have mercy on me. And Jesus turn around and say, oh, I know your problem. You need some more money. Somebody give him some money. You've never seen that. Because money promises to solve your problems, but it don't. You can have all the money in the world and still have a low self-esteem. You can have all the money in the world and still be just so anxious and panic attacks like crazy. Come on, somebody amen me if I'm telling the truth right now. You, you, you can't, it, it won't do it. Second thing Jesus says, not only guard against the spirit of mammon, he says number two, use unrighteous mammon money righteously. Righteous dude. I feel like a surfer saying that. Anyway, use unrighteous money righteously. Now, money, remember, remember, mammon is a spirit. And that's very important if you understand. And you say, well, I don't know why it's a spirit. You say money's a spirit. Money's a, there's a spirit on money. You don't believe money has a spirit? Then listen, how many of you agree with this? Money can talk. Ain't that right? It can talk. You can, I mean, you can, and if you don't believe money can talk, then you wait till it comes to offering for a fit for a king. And you go to reach for your wallet. You're going to hear voices in your head. <laughs> Don't you give that? Yes, you can. No, you don't. No, you, you, I'm telling you, it's the Spirit. So Jesus says, use unrighteous mammon to, for, for his glory, for, for righteously, because all money has a spirit on it. And every money, every bit of money in your account right now, every minute, the, the way your family right now, that may, I, may be, I may be helping your marriage right now, and you don't even know it right now. But, but every bit of money in your household has a spirit on it, and the discussions that you're having, all the money in your bank account right now has a spirit on it, and it's the spirit that you have placed on it by the way you have handled it, and the, by the way you have treated it, and the, by the way you think about it. About it, and that's why you and your spouse are having so many problems over it. Now, how do you release the spirit of mammon over your money? Here's the way the Bible says do that. Ready? This is weird, I know, but this is what he says. He said the way you release the spirit of mammon, and if you don't like that term yet, then you can substitute it with greed. The way you release the spirit of greed in your home is by giving God the holy portion first. The tithe. Now, this is a dynamic that goes on in scriptures all the way through that what happens is God says, when you have given God the spirit, the tithe first, not off the bottom, off the top, you give the tithe first, you break the spirit of mammon in your home, and it redeems the rest of the money in your household. This is a, this is a common thread, not only when it comes in scriptures, when it comes to tithe and money, this is the way God does the everything. For instance, Adam and Eve, anybody ever heard of Adam and Eve? Raise your hand if you ever heard that story. They were in the garden, remember that, right? And they sinned and all of mankind was condemned by the first but watch this this is a theme this runs all the way through the bible any everything jesus came along and the bible says he was the firstborn among many brothers 
And he was sacrificed on the cross for us. And because we all got lost by Adam, now we can all get redeemed by Jesus. And because he was sacrificed, because he was giving, he broke the spirit of sin. He broke the curse in us. And now you and I have been set free by the power of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Isn't that great? So that's God's way. He redeems those that follow by the sacrifice of the first. That is what happens with your money in your bank account. There is a spiritual dynamic that goes on with the tithe. You give God the first, it breaks the back of greed in your household, and it redeems the rest of it and is in your bank account. Now, this is, this is how, you, this is how you, you, you find yourself in a new place and, and new options. Because, see, listen, you, money by itself is neutral. It is amoral. It has no morality to it at all. It's not good. It's not bad. It's like a brick. If I have a brick in my hand, I can use that brick to throw it through a stained glass window of a church, or I can use that brick to build a church. The brick has no moral value. What you do with the brick, whose hands it is in, is where the morality's at. Money has no moral value, it's whose hands it is in. And if your hand is all about building your kingdom, is all about you feeding your spirit of mammon in your household, then it has that spirit on it in your household. But if it's in your hands and it's given to break the back of the spirit of mammon so your kids don't grow up greedy and you and your wife don't get greedy and y'all are not materialistic and you're not superficial and you're not shallow people who's looking to money to meet your needs that only God can meet. When you approach it and says, God, we're giving your holy portion first, you have broken the back of that and now you have set free for God to bless you and now you're in his favor come on somebody am I breaking sense now look at this passage again let's go at verse 9 again it's right here on the screen he says and I say to you make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon say mammon that when you fail or when you die or when your money runs out or when you go on, they, those friends that you've made, may receive you into your everlasting home. This is a, this is a, uh, a theme of Scripture. Here's what he says, and, and this, is, this is unusual, I realize, but this is what he says. Ready? He says that when you take those bricks, when you take that money that is amoral, and you use it for something good, and you break the spirit of mammon in your household, God converts that somehow into people getting saved and then when they get saved they now have become your friends your brothers and sisters in Christ and then when you go on to heaven they your friends your brothers and sisters of Christ are there to welcome you into your eternal home so let me break that down before I move on this is, again this is a theme of the Bible so that evidently whenever you go to heaven you know things that you don't know now you just, I mean, you just know things. You just know things that you don't know now. So there's things that you don't know. You'll, you'll be known as you're known, and you'll see things in heaven that you didn't know on earth. So evidently, when, when you get to heaven, uh, whenever I'm going to use our situation, but this is, I, I know there was the day's mission Sunday, so I'm going to use this one as an illustration. Our church bought a tract of land for a missionary in the Philippines to, uh, to reach Muslims, and it's gone really, really good. He's reaching a lot of Muslims, and we bought a, a piece of land. He's built a church on it, and it's, it's really, really going good. So evidently, if this verse 
verse, if I understand this verse right, and other verses, this is not the only time Jesus says this. He says this in a lot of other places, but, but if I understand it right, what's going to happen is I'm going to get to heaven, and somebody's going to come up to me, and they're going to say, hey, Dale, and I'm going to be like, hey, I don't know you, and what's your name? And they're going to say with a Filipino slant, I don't know, they'll say, my name's Fred. I don't know if there's a Filipino Fred or not, but just go with me on that, okay? He's going to say, my name's Fred, and I know you don't know me, but your church bought, bought, bought a piece of land, and I have a... I, I took that land, and, and, and now I, they reach people with it, and, and I got saved because of that piece of land you bought. Thank you. I'm in heaven because of you. I, I heard that you and 150 other people bought that land, and I just want to thank you for it. And I'm going to be like, well, Fred, I don't even know you. He's, I know. When I get to heaven, there'll be people that'll come up to me, evidently, and say, hey, Pastor Dale, you don't know me, but I, you remember that time when you and Melissa let some kids use your garage, uh, room over your garage to have youth group in? And I'm going to be like, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. They said, I was one of those kids, and that was in that garage. And I'm going to be like, great, well, can you explain that mystery stain that's right there on the carpet? I don't know what happened there. He's going to say, no, I can't, but I'm going to teach them. I got saved in your garage, and I just want to thank you because I'm in heaven now because of your garage. I'm going to be like, Wow. My garage ain't even here yet. It's gone. It's burned up. It's gone. I'm not, I mean, that house is gone. He's gone. I know. But I'm in heaven because you took unrighteous things and used them righteously. Is that pretty awesome? So our church, we do this thing where we go to and give shoes away to people who have holes and rips in their shoes. And um, we went to, gave this lady some shoes, and then she came and got saved. And then next year we went to... Um, give shoes away we went to one of those hotels where you know it's like i mean you know honestly we had hypodermic needles there where we were i mean it was one of those no-tail hotels you know kind of thing where you don't want to go late at night kind of thing and we were there and and um we we she went with us this time now and she's been blessed and now she's putting shoes on other people's feet and one of the guys there he'd been strung out on drugs and he came to church and he got saved and he got off a of prescription drug addiction he brought his daughter he didn't have any money we prayed for him to get a job he got a temporary job he then started paying tithes and took that 2.0 challenge gave two percent more got a permanent job and now is free him and his family have moved out of the hotel and bought a house because somebody took unrighteous mammon and used it righteously somehow or another here's what happened that God plunders hell and populates heaven when we give to him y'all tracking with me so say yes third and final as I wind it down here we go ready Jesus's financial advice is be a good steward or be a good manager first of all guard against the spirit of mammon second use unrighteous money righteously and third be a good steward or be a good manager now um you say some of you are listening to this sermon and you're like well this is really encouraging dale i'm really glad you're speaking but um you're funny and this is whatever but let me just tell you i have uh too little of this unrighteous mammon to really be worrying about this sermon in fact, I really need a little more unrighteous mammon. And then I would probably be taking notes. I'd probably have writer's cramp right now. But I don't, I don't, have, I don't really think this applies to me. I think I get a pass on this. And I don't really think I have enough money for this to, to really matter. Can I say something to you out of love, but very directly? You might as well say yes, because I'm going to do it anyway. And, and your pastor has given me permission. He said, Dell, I want you to challenge them and challenge them hard. Ready? Here we go. 
if that is your thinking, that you don't have enough to really be concerned about this, then let me lovingly tell you, you will probably never have very much. Because it says something about the way you're thinking. And, and, and Jesus doesn't like the way you're thinking. That I'm not going to manage what I've got because I don't have enough. And if you give me more, I'll do better. I'll start budgeting, I'll start giving, I'll start, I'll start managing it well. But until you give me more, I'm just trying to survive. I mean, I can't even hardly keep my cell phone on. Some of you got that. We're just trying to keep it together. We barely can pay our cable bill. Did you know I went to a mission trip in Nicaragua? They don't have cell phone bills. Did you realize that? Here's what he said, Luke 16, verse 10. He says, in Luke 16, verse 10, he says, he says, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. God is more concerned in how you handle what you have than how much you have. You say, if I had more, I'd manage it. I'd do better, but no, you wouldn't. You got more than you've ever had, and you ain't using that right now anyway. Verse 12 says, and if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Now, there, there's a lot of applications to this, but maybe one possible application is because God owns it all. If you've not been faithful in what he's already given you, He's not going to see. Listen, I don't know if you've thought about this or not, but here's the way money works. Ready? It's like the Garden of Eden. You remember the Garden of Eden, where God owns it all, and He said, "Any tree in the garden you can eat from, but this one tree you can't eat from." Why? Because it was a test for Adam and Eve's loyalty. That's the way God does the tithe. He says, "All of this you can have, but this part is holy, and I have put up a boundary to test you." And what happened with Adam and Eve is they walked right past God's boundary and failed the test. You know what's happened? would you right now some of you you are walking right past God's boundary and you're failing the test so is it possible that one application of this verse is if you're not faithful with the 10% who's going to give you the 90 because you're walking right past look at this passage in verse 11 as I close he says therefore if you have been faithful in the unrighteous mammon who will commit to you your trust, the true riches. Now, what are true riches? People. People. People are true riches. It's the people beside of you. This church will not be here when Jesus comes back. This building will not be here. This carpet will not be here. This music, this stand will not be here. The person beside of you are the true riches. So God's not going to give you friends in eternity, and you're going to get to heaven and have nothing to show for your money if you don't get a grip on what's going on right now. I have my family here, and um, I have a smoking hot, blonde-haired, blue-eyed wife. Don't be jealous. Don't be hating. It's just the way it is when my features, and that's the way it works. I have a son that's 12. He's starting to act like me, so I don't like him very much. <clears throat> but I have got a sweetheart, blonde-haired, blue-eyed little girl named Abigail. She is so sweet. In fact, I dish it out a lot, so I have to take it. People pick on me about my bald head and whatever. And she'll come up and whisper in my ear. She'll say, Daddy, I don't like it when people pick on your bald head. I think you're beautiful. 
And it's amazing that she and I have been praying about it, and we have decided, I didn't know you could feel the call of God this young, but we have decided that God has called her to stay single all of her life. I just, I'm humbled, I'm humbled by that, humbled by that. But let's just say she changes her mind. <clears throat> and some little twerp comes pulling up to my house to take my daughter out. First of all, in case it's your little twerp that does it, I believe in gun control. I have guns and I will control him. <laughs> Second thing, his pants better be pulled up. Yeah. Keep it real. He don't blow the horn, she won't be coming out. <clears throat> he don't blow the horn until she comes out. It's not like that. He'll come in and talk and I'll have a little application for him and I'm putting it together right now. And one of the things I'm going to ask him is how he's handling money. And if he cares more about truck rims and radios in the truck and lift kits than he does anything in stewardship, he can't date my daughter. So why, Dale? Because if he can't handle money, he can't handle true riches, my daughter. She's more valuable to me than any truck, any clothes, any money. Why would I want her married to a man who's controlled by the spirit of mammon. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Why would your heavenly father want to give you true riches when you can't even handle money? I'm going to pray for you real quick, but heads bowed, eyes closed, and I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Andy to conclude this service. How many of you would say in the stillness of this moment, Dale, this was the sermon I needed to hear. It was challenging. But I think this is what God wanted me to hear today. Hold your hands up good and high. Good and high. Just be bold. Yep, I see your hands all over. That's great. Put your hands down. How many of you say, Dale, we've got the spirit of mammon in my household, and I can see it clear, and I need to make commitments today to break that. Hold your hands up good and high. If that's you right now. Yep, I see your hands all over. Thank you, God. Here's what I want you to pray. I want you to say, God, show me what I'm supposed to do. Give me the wisdom to know what to do and the courage to do it. And this week, this week, let me do it. Let me do it. How many of you would say, Dale, in this stillness of this moment, I'm not sure I've ever even made a commitment to Christ. I don't know if I've ever even committed my life to Him. But I'm wanting to today. I feel His presence today. Hold your hands up good and high. You say, I need to give my life to Jesus. I see your hands, sir. Yeah, keep it up. Just keep it up. I see your hands. Yep, good job. Good job. I see your hand, sir. Yeah, just keep it up. Just keep them up right now. And I want you to pray after me. Just with boldness, just keep that hand in the air and say, God, I'm sorry for my sins. From this point forward, I do life with you. I'm committing my life to you. Now, Father, help us all to position ourselves to be blessed so that one day when we get to heaven, we will hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Hey, church, can we give God a hand clap of praise for the commitments made today?